morning, I've got the privilege of speaking to you about a lady called Deborah, and we're going through the Old Testament at the moment, looking at um, Old Testament characters and their faith, and we're going to look at Deborah and how she had faith to listen to God. And before we bring any, po- I bring any points to you, I just want to spend a bit of time unpacking the story of Deborah, because she only really appears in two chapters in the Bible, so she's not a huge character, but she can teach us a lot. So we're going to spend some time telling you a story before I just bring out two points and two questions this morning. So Deborah, she's set in the book of Judges, which is a book in the Old Testament, and as you might imagine, is about judges. So... Um, when I say judges, I don't mean gavel, I don't mean gown, wigs. I mean these people were people that ruled over the Israelites and they brought, um, they brought um, insight and they brought authority over the Israelite people when there wasn't really any. So it's set after the time of Joshua and the time of Moses. And at that point, it was quite clear who was in charge. And then there's this season of time where the judges rule and it's just a little bit more vague. It says at the end of Judges that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And actually, those things are bad they get increasingly bad you've only got to read the last couple of judges of chaps of chapters of judges and there's rape and dismemberment there's death there's murder it's quite grim so these Israelites were not in a great place and the Israelites get caught in this funny cycle where they go and they turn away from God and they sin and they decide they don't want to do things God's way and then Interestingly enough, an enemy comes, rises up against the Israelites and oppresses them. And the Israelites realize what they've done wrong. They turn back to God and they call out to God and say, God, will you help us? And every time God, in his mercy, he comes, he raises up a judge to rule over them and bring them peace and to defeat their enemies. And this cycle goes on and on and on. And if I'd been more organized, I would have had Dave Tubbs up here in one of his amazing T-shirts, because Dave is my favorite slogan T-shirt wearer. Um, and I would have had him in this one. You might not be able to see, but it says, eat, sleep, fix, repeat. And that's basically what the Israelites were doing. They were caught in this cycle of sin and turning from God, being oppressed, turning back to God, calling out to God and being rescued. And it goes round and round in an eat, sleep, fix, repeat cycle, or eat, sleep, sin, repeat cycle. So yeah, the Israelites at this time are in this individualistic society, this society that's just anti-authority. It's easy to look at the Israelites, isn't it, and say, actually, what they did was really stupid. I can't believe they fell into sin again and again and again. But actually, if we're honest with ourselves, it probably sounds a little bit familiar to our own lives sometimes, certainly my life. You might be far holier than me. So yeah, we're going to look at, um, at the story of Deborah. And if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Judges 4, if you haven't got them, don't worry, it'll appear behind me. We're just going to read the first 10 verses of Judges 4. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after he had died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth, Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. 
and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them into your hand. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, surely I will, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead for your glory, but for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Yeah, so here we go. That's the beginning of the story, and I'll fill you in on the end because I want to focus specifically on what happens at the beginning of the story of Deborah. So here we've got another one of these classic cycles of Israel falling into that sin cycle. And the people that oppress them this time are the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were a powerful political people. They um, had a lot of... um, a lot of power. And here they are oppressing the people of Israel cruelly, we read, for 20 years. So these people, God's people, the Israelites, have been oppressed for 20 years cruelly. They're probably quite despairing. They're not in a great place. And yet, actually, just three chapters before, at the beginning of Judges 1, we read again that the Canaanites were oppressing the Israelite people. And at that time, God gave them a victory. And he said to them, "Be basically said, be holy, drive out all the Canaanite people that I've given into your hands and be set apart for me. And what the Israelites did at that time was actually they let some of the Canaanite people continue to live alongside them. They started adopting their ways and their practices. And just three chapters later, we see here, they are, instead of being a holy people, they're once again being oppressed by the Canaanite people. And when we read about 900 chariots of iron, that is no small army. I know last week, I think Owen might have referred to my two-year-old daughter as a tank, but that a, a chariot of iron in that time would have been like an actual tank, a real tank. It would have been the latest in military weaponry. And they had 900 chariots. So this was a powerful army. It was an oppressive army. And actually, <coughs> it was an um, awful army that were doing horrible things to the Israelite people. So actually, in this story, we've got the Canaanites, and the person that represents them in this, for this story is Sisera. He's the commander of the army. And actually, if he's our baddie in this story, then Deborah, in my opinion, is the hero. Apart from God, obviously, she's our hero. She's our ultimate top trump card. So she's an unexpected leader. For a start, she's a woman. In their society, we w- you wouldn't have had a woman leading because actually women didn't have a whole lot of standing. And yet here we see her ruling over Israel. She's bringing um, judgment over Israel. She's trying to bring peace and order. And actually, um, people recognize that. She summons, Deb- she summons Barak in the story and she commands him prophetically with God's words. And she says in verse 6, come and go down to the river, take an army. God is going to give Sisera into your hands. And Barak replies, he says, actually, I'm only going to go down to the river and I'm only going to step out if you go with me. And we'll look a little bit at that in a second. So the story goes on. As we read, he goes down to the river. He takes Deborah. He takes 10,000 men. They head to the river. And just like God's promised, the, um, the Canaanites hear about it. Sisera comes down with his 900 chariots of iron and they meet at the river Kishon and they have this battle. And actually, as God promised, the Canaanites are given into the Israelites' hands and they defeat the army. Then Sisera basically runs away. It's a bit of an aside, but it's quite an exciting aside. He runs away. He goes into the house of an ally and he meets this lady that God says is going um, to beat Sisera instead of Barak. And he meets this lady called Jael. She brings him into her house. Jael tucks 
him into bed and gives him milk, which sounds a bit weird like a child. I wondered if she read him a bedtime story as well. But anyway, she tucks him in, she waits for him to fall asleep, and then she gets a tent peg and she hammers it through his skull until it comes out the other side. I know, and I thought camping at Catalyst with little children and a thunderstorm was bad. It kind of puts it in perspective. Yes, yeah, so Cicero dies. Actually, it says in the next, cha- next verse, says, so he died, just to make it really clear. But it's, sadly, it's not really about Cicero. I just didn't want to miss that bit of the story out. So that's basically what happens in the story. And that's quite a long introduction. Sorry, it went on for a while. But actually, I want to make sure we remember the story of Deborah and we remember what was happening so that when we look at Deborah, we can look and realize um, how amazing her faith was. And I've just got two points that I want to bring this morning from that. So my first point this morning is that Deborah has faith to listen to God, just like the title of my preach. And so actually the question that I want to follow that with is who are we listening to? In verse 6, we read, Has not the Lord the God of Israel commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I'll draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, and they'll meet at the river with the chariots, and I will give him into your hands. So Deborah is a woman who clearly hears from God. We read in the text that she's a prophetess, but she specifically hears what God is saying, and she takes time to listen to what God says to her, but also to his people. I found it really significant that she only really speaks three sentences in the chapter, and yet they're all prophetic words about what God is going to do and how God is going to bring the victory. So she's a lady who hears from God, and she encourages people to step out into what God has for them, and she brings those words to Barak. And actually, Barak's an interesting guy because lots of different people in commentary said different things about him. And a lot of them were saying, actually, he was just a bit of a chicken. And that's why he wanted Deborah to go and hold his hand into battle. Um, And I kind of felt that was a bit harsh because I didn't actually know Barak. So I'm going to just go (laughs) say it doesn't matter a whole lot. But actually, Barak is someone who clearly recognizes that Deborah is a a woman following God. And actually, the reason I think he probably wants her is because he recognizes that she hears from God prophetically that she is taking time to listen to him and actually to me I think that would be somebody I would want going into battle with against 900 chariots of iron so we see in the text that Deborah is clearly taking time to listen to what God says to his people and actually we um, love taking advice from people as well don't we we love pulling bits of advice and getting information from people especially if we think a lot of them but actually there's times when we are so desperate we will take advice from anybody and I think a picture should appear there you go you might not be able to see but that's our eldest daughter Ivy so she's five now but that was her about a week after she came out of hospital and she looks really cute because it was the daytime and she was wide awake oh sorry fast asleep um, but at night time when she was wide awake and nobody had told her that they don't sleep for ages and we hadn't had about two hours sleep in a week we were desperate for advice so we trawled the internet we went through the internet forums we asked anybody that would listen how do you get a newborn baby to sleep what do you do you pay good money for books actually we want advice from people because we want affirmation or we want to know that we're doing the right thing so but where ultimately do we take our main decisions from in our lives Because it's good and it's right to have people that we listen to. It's good and right to go to people for godly advice or good counsel. And I know certainly that there are people that I go to if I need advice on something because they will provide advice that is right and it's good and it's godly. But am I listening to even those people over God and over what he says in his word? 
Do I try and do what keep my friends happy or do I try and do what social media says I should do or society should, says I should do in how I raise my children or how I dress or what job I should hold, all of those things. Who or what is the ultimate decision driver in our lives this morning? Who and what drives those day-to-day decisions that we make? Because if it isn't the Bible and it's not God, then actually we need to seriously rethink how we do things and how we make our decisions. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So the Bible tells us that we've got all we need for a godly life, that there's nothing else we have to do or add to that, that we've got through his goodness and his glory and through the grace of Jesus, we've got everything we need. We aren't lacking anything. And Deborah grasped that truth. She understood that she could go to God for everything and God would be her truth and God would be, um, be the person who provided everything that she needed. We are so fortunate in our society that we have got access to the Bible. It's so readily available. Everybody can read it. Even if people aren't able to read it, they can download it on phones. It's so readily available, whereas some cultures don't even have the Bible in their own language. And yet, are we still quicker to listen to what society says or what Facebook says or what our friends might think over what the Word of God that we've all got such easy access to tells us about ourselves? So I want to be somebody like Deborah this morning. I hope you do as well. Actually, Deborah is somebody who hears God and and listens to God and takes time to prioritize him. And then my second point this morning is that actually with that, she then has the faith to act on what God has said. And I just, the question I will follow that up with is how can we do the same? How can we have faith like Deborah? Deborah is somebody who takes courage. She, She... encourages Barak and she leads and he then leads his army into battle because she hears God's voice and she trusts him to be faithful to his word and actually for Deborah she didn't necessarily have to step out into the battle so Deborah I found that really interesting I was looking through it Deborah does it doesn't we don't read anywhere in the text that Deborah actually fought alongside Barak or anything like that but for Deborah her act of faith is to step out and to give Barak the words that God has given her to step out and to encourage Barak was her act of faith So she's clearly an encourager of people and of other people's faith. She takes Barak and she points him to the promises of God and encourages him. And she does that twice in this chapter that I want to look at specifically. And the first was in verse 6, which we read earlier. But the second is in verse 14. And it's this beautiful line that she calls Barak into battle the second time. So, And Deborah said to Barak in verse 14, up, up. For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? And when Deborah calls Barak into battle the second time, she uses that word up. And it's not like a a mum trying to drag a teenage child out of bed. I'm not sure how you do that. I think like water or cats or something to drag a child out of bed. She's not saying, come on, you've got to go to college now. Get up out of bed. Come on, God says we've got to do this. Come on. She's not dragging him out of bed. She's saying, no, look, does not the Lord go out before you? Hasn't God promised you that he's going to be with you? Hasn't God promised that he's already goes before you in the battle? She uses God's promises to encourage Barak to step out and to have faith himself. 
She doesn't just say, God says it's going to be okay. She says, no, God has promised. God is faithful. He will do it. He will rescue us because that's what he's promised. She holds true to the promises of God. And in turn, Barak sees her faith and he has faith to step out. He steps out into the battle and the Israelites uh, um, win. And we um, read at the end of chapter 5 that they have rest for 40 years. That actually there's a season of 40 years of rest of rest in the Israelites' history because they've defeated them and they've stepped out in faith and defeated the Canaanite army because they recognised that God was in that battle with them. So if Deborah's got faith like that, how can we have faith like Deborah's? And my first point would be, actually, Deborah is somebody who looks to God in all circumstances. So she clearly looks to God at the beginning of, the beginning of this story because she's, she's, as the Israelites have been cruelly oppressed, she's hearing from God. She's seeking God and hearing him when things are difficult and when things are hard. And God then gives her the answers and gives, almost like Anna was saying, he gives fresh rain and gave her insight into that situation. But actually, she... In the next chapter, chapter five is basically just a song about what happened and the, and the battle that went on. So the, um, the song is all about Deborah and Barak singing thanks to what God has done, thanks that God has given them the victory. So when things are going well and, she, and they defeat the Canaanite army, she's quick to turn back to God and to give him the thanks for his, um, for his intervention, for what he has done for them. She doesn't take the glory, Barak doesn't take the glory, they're quick to turn and give the glory back to God. And so she's looking to God in every circumstance of her life. So um, I actually became a Christian when I was 18, so my, my late teen years. And actually for me, that was quite a tricky time because when I left school, I had a quite a clear set idea of what I wanted to do and what I was going to study. And when I became a Christian, actually everything changed because I wasn't sure that the reason I was going to do what I wanted to do was because I wanted to do it. I think I just realized that I got the right grades and actually everybody thought that's what I should do because I should do well and I should succeed and I should go to university. And I was really struggling with what to do as quite a new Christian because I felt that my whole identity had completely changed and actually what Jesus wanted for me possibly wasn't what I thought I should be doing because it would please everybody else. And somebody very wise at the time quoted this verse to me, which is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus for you. And that verse was then and is still now one of my favorite, most significant verses because actually what I do in my job, what I do at my, in my home, whether I have nice clothes or whether I have um, the best technology or which job I have actually doesn't really matter because that's not what God's called me to do in my life. What God's called me to do is in every situation, look back to him. So if things are going well, I look back and give thanks. If things are not going well, I, I look back to him, trust his promises and rejoice in those even if that feels hard and that's totally opposite what society will tell me which is that I need to climb the ladder and get a better job get a better promotion get more money so you can have nicer holidays so that you can have a bigger house whatever that might look like for you in your situation but actually that's not what God says to us in his word he says actually in all situations we look back to him and we trust him in those circumstances whether they're good or whether they're not so good 
And actually, that isn't even just about us either. So my relationship with God isn't just me and him. Actually, you all get to be a part of that, and you get to be part of my relationship with God, and I get to be part of your relationship with God, whether you want that or not. You don't really get a choice because we are one body in Christ. So I'm sorry about that. But as I said, Deborah encourages Barak and she fills him and equips him with faith so that he can go out and do what he has called to do. And this morning, are we, or I know we are encouraging each other with faith, it's not fair to ask that question, but the question perhaps should be how can we encourage each other more in our faiths? So Deborah, as I said, she only spoke three sentences, but those sentences to Barak were so significant because they gave him faith and they gave him the ability to step out and do what God wanted him to do. And actually, we've got that same power within us. There's power in the words that we speak. And the Bible is quick to give us warnings, isn't there, about the damage that harsh words can do or the damage that unkind words can do or words spoken um, too quickly or even excessively, um, which I know that I can definitely do. In fact, I'm quite sure that one of the only reasons Sai asked me to speak this morning was because I could quite easily talk for 30 minutes without running out of things to say and not that he really wanted to hear what I had to say. (laughs) Anyway, um, so yeah, words can be used for damage, but actually there is a huge amount of power in our words. And in Proverbs, it says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. So actually there is power in words. Words can bring life to people. And just looking through just about three or four chapters of Proverbs, I found these amazing truths about words that, can, that are bought with gentleness and with kindness and wisdom. And that it says that they, words can bring healing. They can cheer the heart. They can turn away wrath. They can bring us, as in the speaker, the person speaking them, joy. They can promote instruction. They're sweet to the soul. And that's just in a few chapters of Proverbs. I could have gone on forever. So the power in our words, of our words can be used to encourage each other as much as encourage ourselves. Being in relationship with God, as I said, is not just me and him. Actually, we are part of one body, and that's a joy and a privilege that we get to have together. We can put our faith in God this morning, who is totally faithful to us. He was faithful to Deborah, and he's as faithful to us. And actually, even though we fall into that cycle of sin and turning from him and having to come back and repenting, we can know that God's mercies are new to us every morning. And actually, we can put our faith afresh in him and listen to him, to what he is saying in his word, what he's saying through his Holy Spirit in our lives as we spend time with him. And in in turn, when we're filled with faith and when we are um, coming and meeting with the people of God from a place of faith, we are quick to encourage each other in what God is doing in our lives and quick to encourage each other about what God has promised us as a people and as individuals. And we in turn can encourage each other in doing that. So yeah, just to conclude this morning, I... um, wanted just to recap. So Deborah is somebody who knows God and she spends time in relationship with him. She's someone who hears from the living God and as a result of her faith she and listening to him and speaking out what he's spoken, she sees God bring victory. She sees God bring rest to the Israelite people and sees them freed from oppression. She takes courage and God meets her where she is because, she is, um, because he is faithful and he's promised her that he's going to um, be totally trustworthy. She encourages Barak because she knows what God has spoken and therefore that he will be with them. And then in the victory, she's quick to give thanks straight back to God. 
and give the glory to God because the victory is his. It's not ours. So let's choose this morning to be people like Deborah, people who give thanks in every circumstance. And I'm going to ask Rob to come back and the band to come back so that we can spend some time just giving thanks to God. But before we do, um, or as they're coming up, I just wanted to um, just highlight a couple of people that I felt God was speaking to specifically this morning. And actually, as we speak, we've been looking a lot about speaking, Deborah spoke out, um, that God would just say to two groups of people, um, firstly, is that he wants you to speak to him, so speaking out to God. And that might be for the first time that you've ever done that. You might not know Jesus here this morning. And if that is you, then I just want to invite you, as Deborah encouraged Barak in his faith, to look to God's word and God's promises, just to look to God and to look to Jesus's battle this morning. Because God sent his only son, Jesus, to die. And he not only died and took on our sin and our shame, but he celebrates and he has the victory this morning. Not just over 900 chariots of iron, but over all sickness and all sin and anything that we may have ever done wrong in our lives. And he is a God who loves us and cares for us and is interested in our lives this morning. And actually, if that's you, um, at the end, there will be an opportunity to come forward and pray. But if that's too big a thing, just grab the person that you're with and just say, actually, I want to know more about God. I want to know more about Jesus and what he did for me this morning. And they'll be delighted to tell you about that. And the second person, there was actually God, there's some people here and God wants you to speak to yourself this morning and to speak those words of Deborah over your life, which is, does not the Lord go out before you? So there's some people here who are standing on the cusp of something. I felt like you're standing on the, right on the edge of something. And for some of you, you don't even know what that is, but you know that you're on the cusp of something. And God would say to you this morning, does not the Lord go out before you? But as you step out, whether you know what that is or not, or what that looks like or not, I go out before you and I am going ahead of you. And actually, if, even if you don't know what it is, if you know that God is involved, those details about what that might be become trivial because I am going out before you and I am leading the way and I am in that situation so yeah if you would like to respond to either of those words or if you want to um, perhaps have more specific prayer about what Anna brought earlier that um, that beautiful word that she brought earlier then um, I think the prayer ministry team will appear over to my my right your left um, but over back, back over to Rob and we're just going to spend some time giving thanks to God this morning thank you You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.